Welcome, everybody. Some of you like that, huh? <laughs> this is DeAndre, who's uh, guest leading worship with us here today, so. Welcome to all of you. So glad that you're here. And I know you won't do that at the end of my time, but that's totally cool. That's totally cool. My name is Alan, and uh, very glad that you're here. Let me just tell you a couple reasons, three in fact, uh, so that's more than a couple, why we just did that last song. Uh, first of all, as I think some of you would agree, based on your response, uh, it's hard not to like that song. I mean, that's just, uh, wake me up, yeah, mm, oh, yeah. I mean, there's just something that's good about that. Secondly, that song is about taking a journey, that there are multiple lines in the verses about I don't know where this journey is going to take me. I don't know where it's going to end, etc. And we are starting a new series this morning, going through the month of July, talking about taking a journey. I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. And then thirdly, the chorus is, wake me up when it's all over, which is a thought that I know some of, some of you have at the beginning of my messages. Um, <laughs> And so I thought that was kind of appropriate, that that would fit, that we will, rest assured, we'll wake you up when, when I'm done. Unless, of course, you are sitting in one of the comfy couches, uh, then I, as we've stated from the very beginning, I will wake you up if you fall asleep in the couch during the message because I've declared that I have the right to do that. And so if you take a comfy couch, then you get to stay awake for the message. That's it. If you're just getting sleepy, just slip around into one of the chairs. Okay. Um, uh, one of the things that we all have in common here today is we all woke up and and, uh, and we thought right off the bat when we woke up, this is it. This is it. Today is the day. So happy Canada Day. Happy Canada Day <laughs> to anyone and everyone here. Happy Canada Day. It's very exciting. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so here's the real question. When was your last adventure? When was the last time you participated in were part of an adventure. By adventure, I mean being a part of something that is outside of your normal routine, being a part of something where you don't know what's around the corner. On your regular days, you know how it's, how it's getting started. You know what's going to happen at 2 o'clock. You know what's going to happen as, as the day moves on. But an adventure is getting outside of your routine, and you don't know all the different pieces. You don't know all of the things that are going to happen. When we were kids, we were constantly involved in adventures. Every year was an adventure. Every school year was a new adventure because you had new people to meet. You had new teachers. You had new experiences. You didn't know how this year was going to go, and, and you're changing so much, and your, your body was changing, and pimples were popping out all over, and so, so many different, we had acne adventures, you know, whatever. I mean, life was just an adventure. Maybe you just recently moved to Phoenix, or you just started a new job or you started a new relationship, well, then you are on an adventure right now because you're experiencing something new, etc. But for the rest of us or for those who perhaps haven't fit in that category yet, when was your last adventure? The point I want to make here today is that God is not through with you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how set in your ways you are. It doesn't matter what personality type that you are, how much aversion you might have to the unknown to adventures. God is not through with you yet, and God wants to invite you into a meaningful adventure. This week on Wednesday, 
we will celebrate the courageous men and women who many, many, many years ago started this American experiment. And they had an adventure before them and they had the opportunity to just kind of keep things going the same old, same old, or to try something new and go for it. And they stood up to the task and they started something new and they were a part of something new. And so are you interested in being a part of something new? Are you interested in being a part of some new adventure? And, and if you are, are you willing to trust God with that adventure, even in the unknown and perhaps scary parts of that journey? That's where we're going here today and for the rest of the, the month of July. So would you bow your heads with me as we start this series? Father in heaven, I thank you that you are here, that uh, we don't just pontificate here in this room, but we come and we want to hear from you. We look at your gift of scripture. We want to look at your stories. Would you come and speak to us? Would you be the one today to invite us into an adventure, to remind us of the adventure that we're already on? God, we want to hear from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, all of this is in the context of a new series that we're calling Road Trip. And part of it is that in the month of July, many of us take road trips and we go out somewhere and we live in Phoenix. And so any opportunity we can get to go somewhere else here in the month of July or August, we will do that. And people get out of Dodge and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so many of us will be taking road trips. But the road trip I'm specifically talking about in this series that we will be talking about over the next few weeks is a journey that is uh, referred to in the New Testament as Paul's first missionary journey, or what I like to, to call it, Paul's first great adventure. And so this is found in Acts chapters 13 and 14. That's where we're going to spend the, uh, the month of July in Acts 13 and 14. Today, I'm just looking at verses 1 to 3 in chapter 13. You can open up there if you have your Bible with you, and that's where we're going to spend our time as we get started on this story and jump in and say, kind of get the, the beginning of this story. Before we jump into that, however, before we look at those verses, I want to back up and provide some background as far as what's happening in the book of Acts before we get to chapter 13. So I want to back up a little bit and kind of get the overall context. The book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. The first four books are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are four versions of the story of Jesus. And they end with Jesus' crucifixion, and then rising from the dead, and then we've, what we find at the beginning of the book of Acts is Jesus ascending back into heaven. So what we have in the book of Acts is the story after Jesus. It's the story of the followers of Jesus who courageously had to figure out, what are we going to do now that our leader is no longer physically with us the way he has been for the past three or so years? And so they are trying to figure out, okay, what happens now? And they are scared and they are unsure and they are nervous. So the book of Acts begins 
uh, essentially the kind of the big moment is Acts chapter two, uh, which, is, which is what we refer to as Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes upon these followers of Christ and gives them power and confidence and strength, and it's really the, the start of this new movement, this, this, church, this church, this revolution of love that Jesus started that his followers are to continue. So here in the book of Acts, if I could jump to chapter 7. In chapter 7, we find a follower named Stephen who becomes the first one who gives his life for the cause after Jesus. The first one who gives his life for it. He keeps on talking about Jesus and the people around him, the leaders, they're, they are uh, nervous and they're offended by his talking about Jesus, his ongoing teachings about Jesus, and they decide they wanna get rid of him. Let's stop this whole Jesus thing. So we're gonna kill him by throwing stones at him. We're just gonna keep on pummeling him with stones until he is dead. And so Stephen becomes the first martyr, one who gives his life for the cause of Jesus Christ. And in dramatic form, this story in chapter seven of Acts, it says that, that, that the, the stoners, and I don't mean what you're thinking, I, it, it's the ones who throw stones, uh, they, they laid their coats at the feet of a man named Saul. And then that's all it is in chapter seven, and then they kind of move on. But this is the introduction of a, of a man named Saul who was a killer of Christians. It was his job because he was passionate about God and about the law and he wanted to protect it. He was a part of this movement to eradicate those Christians. And so this was the introduction of a guy named Saul. Saul then in chapter nine of Acts, he is confronted by Jesus. Jesus has already ascended into heaven, but he comes down and, and appears before Saul, and he says, why are, you uh, uh, why, why are you persecuting me? Why are you killing my followers? And Saul has to be saying, why are you standing in front of me? Because you're dead, right? I mean, he just has this, this dramatic, radical experience with, with Jesus and realizes this Jesus is true. This really is the Messiah. And Paul has this beautiful, radical conversion where he then transfers his, his love and his faith in God, that he's, he's had a deep faith in the God of the Old Testament, etc. He transfers that over and says, Jesus is the Messiah. And so he becomes a follower of Jesus. And his name is changed from Saul to what? Paul. Paul becomes one of the, uh, Paul becomes the dominant character in the rest of the New Testament story. The writer of most of our New Testament, this person who was a killer of Christians, now becomes a follower of Christ, a leader of Christians, a starter of Christian churches. So this here is in chapter nine. Then we roll into chapter 11 of the book of Acts, and we are introduced to a city called Antioch. And here on our road trip, our journey begins in Antioch. It is a large Roman city that is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And what, what has happened is that a number of these new Christians had made their way up to Antioch, 300 miles from Jerusalem, up to Antioch. A number of these Christians had gathered there. 
these uh, Jewish people who had surrendered and, and believed in Jesus had, moved, had found their way up to Antioch. And so the leaders in Jerusalem said, we gotta go check this out. We gotta make sure they're okay, make sure they're led well, make sure they understand what their faith is. So they send a guy named Barnabas. They say, Barnabas, I want you to go up there and check it out. Barnabas grabs this crazy young guy named Paul and he says, I want you to come with me. And Paul says, okay, okay. And so, so Barnabas and Paul then head up to Antioch and they spend a year in Antioch. This is where Paul learns how to be a leader. This is where Paul learns how to be a follower of Christ. This is where he makes his, his journey, his transition from from all that he knew and learned about the Jewish faith and the Jewish story, transitions that to the Jesus version of that story. And so it's a year that Barnabas and Paul are leading in Antioch and developing the followers, uh, et cetera, there. This is, this is the setup. This is also in Antioch where, just as a side note, and we find this clearly in, in Scripture in chapter 11, this is also the city where people first started referring to followers of Christ as Christians. And it was intended to be a derogatory term. That the word that they were using literally meant little Christ. So they were, they, it was, it was, it was a, um, a negative comment towards these followers of Christ saying, you're just little Christs is what you are. We've heard about this Jesus Christ. You're just little Christs. And they were supposed to be dogging them with that. But then the followers were going, you know what? I want to be like Jesus, but I'm not Jesus, so I'm like a little Christ. Yeah, Christian, you can go ahead and call me a Christian. And it stuck for the last 2,000 years. Interesting. So that, it started uh, there in Antioch, and we still re, uh, use, that, uh, use that word, use that phrase, that concept. So this is the city, this is the location where we have the start of Paul's first great adventure that we find in chapters 13 and 14. So let's jump in and read the first three verses that are our text for today. Beginning of chapter 13, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. These were some of the leaders that were already there and that had developed over the year. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch. This Herod is one and the same who killed John the Baptist and who was a part of Jesus' crucifixion. And, of course, Saul, whose name had been changed to Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is the beginning of Paul's first great adventure, that the Holy Spirit was sending Barnabas and Paul to do something new. It was an adventure because they didn't know how this was all going to look, and he was sending them to do something new. And I want to be, it's really important, I think, to understand what is that new thing that they were sent to do. God's story from the very beginning is that it would reach, his plan is that his story would reach all nations, is that the story would move to all nations. We have a a mission here as a church inviting the distracted and disinterested, which is you and I at any given time, to realize our role in God's story, that you and I have a part to play in this grand story of God. And at this point, 
up until Acts chapter 13, this grand story of God had been limited to one group of people, which is not God's overall intention. The plan we see in Matthew 28, we see the Great Commission where Jesus at the end of of Matthew's version of the story, he says, go and make disciples of what? All nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. Then at the beginning of Acts, in Acts chapter one, Jesus, before his ascension into heaven, he gathers with with his followers who are just trying to figure out what's going on. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This story is going to go to the ends of the earth. But up until Acts chapter 13, it was a very limited story. The whole Old Testament story, all of the New Testament story, all of the teachings of Jesus, all of that was limited to a small group of people, the Jewish people. This whole story had been, with very few exceptions, this whole story has been all about a select group of people, the Jewish people, but God's plan all along was for this thing to go to the ends of the earth, was for this thing to go to all nations. And that's the radical thing that Paul and Barnabas were being invited into. Just for a little bit of evidence on on this, let me back up to Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Just a couple chapters before the one we're looking at here. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution, so lots of persecution of Christians by people like Saul in Jerusalem and around that area, so many of them spread out and went over to the surrounding cities that broke out when Stephen was killed, chapter seven. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. So here we have evidence, just two chapters before Paul's, first great adventure. This whole thing has still been all about the Jews, but God was doing a radical thing in taking Paul and Barnabas to the Greeks, to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles, um, uh, a message that had never been uh, distributed the way it was through Paul and Barnabas. Now, the reason I'm telling you all of that is just once again to say, God wants to do something new in you. God is not through with you. And God wants to continue to do something new in you. That, that the calling that we receive from God, Paul and Barnabas received a calling. That's the Holy Spirit says, I call you to do this. The calling that we receive from God is not a one and only, a one-shot deal. It's not that you get a calling. You got a calling 12 years ago, 25 years ago, six months ago or whatever. You get a calling, you follow Christ, you get a calling into ministry or you get a calling into your job, whatever, and then it's one and done. That's not the way it works. God is in the business of, of having an ongoing calling in our lives. It's not a one-shot deal. It's an ongoing invitation into a meaningful adventure. That's what happened with Paul and Barnabas. They, they weren't starting their ministry. They'd been serving and leading for over a year. This was a calling into some new adventure, something that the world had never seen before. God is not through with you yet, and God wants to invite you into a meaningful adventure. So, what is your next adventure? What is your next adventure? And how do you respond to opportunities for adventure that are set before you? 
couple weeks ago, my family and I got to visit Cincinnati. And we love Cincinnati. My wife grew up in Cincinnati. That's where we started. That's where we got married. And we spent the first nine years of our lives there. All three of our kids were born in Cincinnati. And so we go there on a regular basis to spend time with people. And one of the things we always do when we go to Cincinnati is we go to the mighty Kings Island just north of Cincinnati. One of the greatest amusement parks in the country. This is no Disneyland, folks. I mean, this is, this is like serious roller coasters. So we did one day at Kings Island and we were there right when they opened and they had to kick us out at the end because we paid our full admission to get in. And so we were there, uh, us and our three kids, we're enjoying this whole thing. Uh, I've been involved with Kings Island and going there multiple times for 20 years, over 20 years, and there's one ride that I had never conquered. And that ride is called Invertigo. Dun, dun, dun. You're supposed to hear that sound in the background when I say the word Invertigo. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, this ride is, is crazy. This ride, see they have it kind of the N is backwards and the R is backwards. What happens is in this ride is they have seats uh, it's a hanging roller coaster where the, the cart is up above you and you're hanging from it. And then the seats are in uh, alternating directions. So this, th- these two seats are facing in this direction and these two seats are facing in this direction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so on the ride, when you're sitting in this chair, you're looking directly into the eyes of the, of the, pre- of the two people sitting in this chair over here. And so this time we go and I have two teenage boys who are uh, running around and having their fun. And then I had told them uh, here, it was getting near the end of the day. I said, I'll do one ride. I got one ride left in me. I'll do one ride. And they come back excited because they had just done in vertigo. And they said, dad, I know what the ride is going to be in vertigo. Dun, dun, dun. And I said, no way, I'm not doing in vertigo. And they said, what are you, Chicken? said, nobody calls me chicken. And so then I had to go on the Invertigo ride. I just want to invite you in on the Invertigo experience uh, here. This, this is a video I got on the internet. I didn't take this video because I'll lose my camera if I did that. But, but here's somebody. Imagine I'm facing this way and then my two boys are in a seat in front of me looking right at me. Okay, so I imagine this is my perspective. They bring you up. And then, uh, uh, and then they just uh, let you go. And so I'm going forward and I'm moving, cut, cutting through that area. And then we're flipping and flopping and twisting and upside down and going around. Whoever designed this thing was on something. And uh, so we do all of this and I'm screaming, having a good time. Then it goes up here and then it slows down and then it stops. And it's called in vertigo because now the whole thing goes backwards. So I'm going backwards and my boys are looking at me and they're going forward. And I'm, I'm looking at them and going, I like it better forward. I like it better forward. And so I'm screaming at them. They're looking at me and they are laughing their heads off. They're looking at me as I'm, I'm truly panicking and they are just having the time of their life doing all they can to, to not uh, vomit just from laughter. I mean, it wasn't even worried about the ride. This was the worst roller coaster I've ever been on in my life. This thing is crazy. It flips you around every which way but loose. And, and so this thing was, was, was a disaster. And so for somebody with an inner ear problem like me, 
This was not the best move. You know, note to self, when you have, in, uh, when you have vertigo, don't go on a ride called in vertigo. Okay, just, just note to self on that one there. But it was a blast. It was fun. It was a memory. It was an adventure. It was the most memorable moment for my two boys on the entire trip to Cincinnati. At the end, they just said that moment of watching me in panic and yelling and that thing. It was their favorite moment on the whole trip. What's your next adventure? When life presents an opportunity before you, what is your response to that? What's your next adventure? I am entering into a summer break and what happens uh, in the month of July is I kind of I shut down a lot of the other things that I do so that I can uh, think through the plan for the upcoming year and just kind of um, uh, take the opportunity to, to kind of plan in that way. And so I really feel as I'm he- heading into this summer break, I, I really feel that God has a new adventure for me that as part of my role here, as the the privilege I have of of being your pastor here, as part of this role, I really feel like God has something new, some new adventure that that he wants uh, for me. And I don't know if that's something for for me to invite you in on and that we do it together or if it's something for me just personally. But I believe that here in the end of 2018, heading into 2019, I think God has something, some new adventure for me. And I'm excited about that, and I want to lean into that and figure out what that is, because I have a choice of either saying, when I'm invited into an adventure, of either saying, oh, you kids, go do it. You kids, go have your fun. Or I can buckle up, take a deep breath, and trust God with this new adventure, with this upcoming adventure. What are you passionate about? In what way do you wanna make a difference in the world? We have a sign out there in our lobby. There's a whole room that just says, make a difference. And it can be connected to what we're doing at Mountain Park because we as a church wanna continue to make a difference in families, in the city, in, here in the church, around the world. We wanna continue to make a difference. Perhaps you can team up uh, with something that you haven't teamed up with before or maybe it's outside of the church, but in what way do you wanna make a difference in this world? In what way do you wanna respond to the adventure that the Holy Spirit is inviting you into. Last week, I had a conversation with Brandon, one of our worship leaders. We were backstage, and he was just sharing with me how much he's torn apart by families that are separated at, at the border, and just kind of, it just feels like, what, what can I do about that? He just, he's just saying, I just can't stop thinking about it, and I want to be a part of helping out in some way. And I said, Brandon, that's fantastic that that your heart is stirred in that way. And I said, I don't know, you know, at the time last week, there were, there were reportedly 2,300 children who were separated from their families. And, and, and uh, I said, I, I don't know that you can help all 2,300, but maybe there's something you could do that you could be a part of where you could help one. Maybe God's stirring something in you and you could be a part of, of helping somebody, of helping one child or one family and And so I just love to see his passion kind of stirring up in here. There's an adventure that God's calling him to. What about you? What about you? What is God stirring up in you? What adventure do you believe God is inviting you into? Now, I'm confident there are some of you in here in the room 
that I had you at adventure. Uh, 15 minutes ago, you're going, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Of course, you sign me up. I'm ready to go. And for the past 15 minutes, you're going, yeah, whatever. Get get to the, how how do I sign up? Where do I sign up? What am I supposed to do? Because if we're in that place of saying, yes, I want adventure. Yes, I want to be a part of something meaningful. Then it comes to that spot of saying, how do I know what I'm supposed to sign up for? Am I supposed to just jump in on any and every opportunity that presents itself? Just anything, just sure, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that. Or am I supposed to wait until I hear the audible voice of the Holy Spirit speaking with absolute clarity? Those are the two extremes. Jump in on anything and everything or wait for the Holy Spirit. Which, what am I supposed to do? Is it one of those or is it somewhere in between? How am I supposed to know what adventure God is inviting me into? Well, let's look at our story. Let's look at our first three verses here. Here's what happens with, uh, with Barnabas and Paul. While they're worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, Paul, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. What were they doing in order to set themselves up to hear from God? Worshiping, what else? Fasting and praying. It says, uh, before it says, they were worshiping and fasting, and then they received a, a word from the Holy Spirit, and then they were fasting and praying, worshiping, praying, and fasting. When's the last time you fasted? We worshiped just a few moments ago. We, I'm confident you pray at some, in some way, in some capacity. When's the last time you fasted? When's the last time that you had, had sought the Lord for answers and jumped into fasting? Now, allow me to either remind you or inform you what fasting is not, okay? Fasting is not equated with skipping a meal, okay? If it's two o'clock in the afternoon, and you've been working hard and you got caught up in something and you realize you skipped lunch, that's not the spiritual discipline of fasting. Okay, I just wanna make sure this is clearly understood that if we just skip lunch, I mean, fasting is becoming more and more popular because of the, the dietary uh, reasons for it. Fasting, the spiritual discipline of fasting is not dieting. It's not a weight loss program. We just need to make sure that we understand this, that fasting, the spiritual discipline of fasting is taking something in our lives and it doesn't have to be food. We take something that is important to us, something that has our attention, and we surrender it. We give it up, we sacrifice it for a purpose, for a specific purpose. And in our context here today, the issue is, okay, God, what is the adventure you have for me? We surrender something in our lives, whether it is the internet, Netflix, our computer, our phone, gambling, alcohol, uh, dessert, soda, food in general, whatever. It's taking something that's important to us, something that we have a draw towards, something that we have a longing for, and we surrender that and replace all of that energy, all of that, 
drive and focus and attention, we shift that over to God. And we say, whenever that longing happens for that thing over, a, over a one meal or a, a day or a week or whatever that journey is, whenever that longing happens, that is a trigger for us to pray, for us to petition God, for us to listen to God and say, instead of being a part of that thing, I'm going to use that time and energy and I'm gonna listen to God. That's what fasting is. When's the last time that you had set aside a meal or something that's part of your life, set it aside so that you can replace that. You can transfer all of that over to hearing from God and just saying, God, what plan do you have for me for the rest of 2018? I plan on doing fasting over this summer in response to this, to this quest, this desire to hear from God on this issue. Would you be interested in doing that? We don't have to do it together. I mean, there'll be times where we as a church will fast for things, but, but, but you can just do this on your own and pick some kind of a time frame or something in your life and you just say, I'm gonna set that aside because I really wanna hear from God on this. Finally, one more thing uh, before I finish up here. Uh, and that is that Paul was not invited on this journey alone. That what we see clearly in verse two, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. That usually the Holy Spirit will invite a companion, a partner for us to go on an adventure with. So who is it in your life who shares the passion that you have for that thing? Who is it who wants to make a difference like you in that area? Who is it that when the fire, the, the flame in your life starts to drop, who is it who seems to come and fan that flame and keep that going and say, hey, remember who you are. You told me before that you were passionate about this. What, what are you doing in that area? Who is that person in your life? Perhaps that's someone that God may want to invite you to go on this journey with. And let me, and let me just say something to men. Particularly, I just wanna address men for a moment, mostly because I relate to you a whole lot more. It's much easier to connect for me. Let me just address you men, if you are married or if you are seriously dating somebody, then a great companion on an adventure with God is your wife, is, your, is, your, is the person that you're doing life with. And of course, it can be the other way around. But sometimes we men, we just get on a thing and say, I'm, I wanna go for it and I'm gonna go after this thing and get out of my way. It is not a healthy journey to say, honey, get out of my way because I'm on a mission from God. Okay? And sometimes we do that, and we can kind of get into this mode. But that doesn't always work out so well. That's often not a happy mission. Look what happened to the Blues Brothers. They ended up in jail. And so, so it's not, that's not the healthiest of journeys to just say, get out of my way. I've heard from God, and I'm going for it. Invite your partner in on that journey. The healthy thing is to say, honey, let's go on an adventure together. Let's serve together. Let's go on a mission trip together. Let's try something new together. What a glorious journey that can be. Because the Holy Spirit usually doesn't invite us to do these things alone, but invites us to 
to, to have somebody come with us on this journey. You and I are made to live out an adventure. That's how we've been hardwired, to live an adventure. That's why some of our greatest memories in life are memories that are connected to some kind of adventure. That time that you made that trip and you didn't know how it was all gonna work out, that time that you climbed that mountain, that time that you went exploring, that time that you went out on the seas and you figured that out and you, didn't, you got lost for a little while. Those adventures are, are the spice of life because you and I are made, we're designed to live out an adventure. That's why it sucks the life out of us to be stuck in a cubicle. We have to do it and we have to, you know, do our job and do it faithfully and, and work hard as the ant works hard, etc. But it sucks the life out of us to be stuck at home all the time. It sucks the life out of us to be stuck in meetings all the time. It sucks the life out of us to be stuck staring at a screen all the time, staring at a phone all the time. We were made for an adventure. And so if God is calling you to an adventure. Are you willing to pray and fast to learn more about it? Are you willing to pray and fast and say, God, I wanna know with clarity what you're taking me and somebody else to be a part of? And if you hear something from God, are you willing to go? I wanna pray with you as we wrap up here. And I invite you, would you stand? And then we're gonna sing one final song together. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you that your scripture, the gift of scripture is filled with adventures. It's filled with men and women who were invited into opportunities where they didn't know what was around the corner. And they had to put their faith and their trust in you. It was an adventure to say, what's going to happen with this giant named Goliath? What's going to happen with going back to Jerusalem and building these walls? What's going to happen with uh, taking a step out of the boat? That time after time, men and women in your story have been on adventures to say, I need to trust you one step at a time. And the beauty of that, God, is that you're not just done with the biblical story, that you're inviting us into those adventures. So God, I just marvel at all the different ways that you are stirring hearts here in this room, here in our church, to be part of adventures that advance the kingdom. And so God, would you give us the courage to ask you to pray and fast and ask you for clarity on what you wanna do with us? And would you give us even more courage to respond to that clarity and say, yes, I will go. Yes, I will go. I will do it. I will trust you. I will give my time and my resources to be part of a life-changing adventure. God, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.